I can almost guarantee you that you're going to have at least one bad user experience when engaging with Web3 stuff, but let that drive you towards it. Run towards that and figure out how it can be improved rather than running away and dismissing it. Welcome to Cut to the Crypto, brought to you by Unstoppable Domains. I'm Tony Karen Brown, and I'm your host. This is a show for the curious minds with big questions about crypto, but who aren't quite crypto experts yet. Each week, I pick a question and connect with an expert who can help provide an answer for us. This is your 15 minutes of crypto, asked and answered. Hello, today my guest is Elon Alpern. Elon, welcome. It's so phenomenal to have you here. Thank you for having me, Tony. Super excited to be here. Yeah, and I also deeply, deeply appreciate your time because I know it's an incredibly busy period for you right now. So it means a lot to have you join us for a little bit. So you currently work at Alchemy, looking specifically after developer relations, and Alchemy has been described in the most simplistic way as a blockchain startup. And we'll talk more about what exactly that means and why that's fundamental to this space as we dig into today's question. You've, I think this is also really important because you've also been really proactive and very vocal about helping as many people as possible get into Web3. And obviously, this is the remit of this podcast as well. And Tied to this, you've also been a founding member of my BFF, or you still are a founding member of my BFF, which started by none other Britt Morin and Jamie Schmidt. And that also has been described as a, it's a fairly new community for the crypto curious, which I absolutely love as a tagline. You're also a founding member of the team for We3, which is phenomenal. And I think all of these efforts tie nicely into what does it look like to bring more people into Web3, but also what does it look like to get more women into the industry? And I think we can maybe briefly talk a little bit about that at the end as well. But it feels like safe to say that you are deep into the crypto and Web3 world. Let's dive right in. And to give a little bit of context, I came across a pretty phenomenal presentation that you did not too long ago. And you were looking at the three major shifts that happen in technology, obviously from the PC era to the introduction of the internet and obviously the mobile phone and now the blockchain. And when I dig into that third major shift that we're in right now, which is obviously the whole aim of this podcast as well, what I keep hearing a lot about is this idea that the infrastructure in Web3 is still very much in its infancy period. And when I think about that and I do more digging, I get more people pushing back and going, well, maybe focusing on Web3 infrastructure is the wrong priority because when we talk to founders, we realize that founders have a different challenge, which is actually getting developers to build apps in this space. And if you can't build the apps, then you can't really grow and build the ecosystem that you need. And so I just end up in the space of, okay, am I even thinking about this the right way? What comes first, the app or the infrastructure? Do we even care? So I need your help. And so my big question for you today is probably twofold is, A, is that statement that web free infrastructure is still very much in its infancy? Is that even true? Is that even the right way of looking at it? And B, what do you foresee as the opportunities, but also the challenges of building on the blockchain? Yeah, th these are awesome questions. And I can tell you, you yourself are very, very knowledgeable. Even just thinking about these types of questions shows that you're one step ahead of most I'm people. Trying. Kudos. I'm trying. <laughs> so I guess there's a lot to unpack here. And I would say, let's take a step back and start at one of the things you were referencing earlier, which is like, where are we in this kind of like technological history? What does blockchain mean and how, how is it kind of positioned in reference to previous times? So the way I like to think about it is over the past 50 years or so, there's been kind of three major shifts in technology. And that's the personal computer, it's what you mentioned, the internet, 
and then kind of blockchain web three, which is where we are now. And when you look at each of those industries, there's actually a pretty common pattern in terms of what makes them successful and what kind of goes on under the hood to make them successful. So taking a look at the PC industry, the personal computer, what really happened was there was a protocol layer. So this is underneath the hood of your computer. There's something called RAM, hard drive, CPU. These are the things that allow the computer to operate. But those are really, really hard to build applications on. So if I want to go and build Excel or kind of build you know, the Notes app on my computer, like whatever it is on your computer, it's really hard to go from the low level kind of end state, that kind of lowest level hard drive state up into user-friendly application. And so what happened was, is Microsoft and Apple uh, came along and built what's called the operating system. And so this allowed applications to build way easier in a much more sustainable and friendly way than building directly on top of that low level kind of segment. So this is called kind of the developer platform, the platform layer, um, which is the operating system for personal computers. Does that make sense so far? Yeah, so far I'm with you. Okay, great. Let's go to the next shift, which is the internet. We see the same exact trend there. The protocol layer, right, the lowest level aspect are these ways of communicating, HTTP, SMTP. These are just kind of protocols for communicating. But that's really, really hard to build Zoom on top of or to build Google Chrome or to build Facebook. It'd be really, really difficult to do that. So Amazon Web Services, uh, Microsoft Azure, Google Cloud Services, those, those kind of companies came along and said, all right, let's build out this platform layer that makes it really, really easy to build applications. And that allowed the internet industry to just grow and boom and be able to scale really, really easily because applications could then focus on building amazing products rather than focus on, on like banging their head against the wall, working with these sort of protocol layers. Surprisingly, we see that same exact trend in Web3 and in blockchain. The protocol layers become the blockchain themselves. So it's Bitcoin, Ethereum, Solana. The platform layer is what Alchemy is focusing on. So right now, it's pretty difficult to build right on top of that. So we're building out infrastructure and tooling to make that really, really easy so that you can build applications like OpenSea and decentralized exchanges and unstoppable domains and all these amazing applications that we're starting to use today. And is it always the case then that you build that infrastructure so that the apps are then able to be built? Or do you have cases where someone comes up with a really cool app idea and you're like, oh, well, the infrastructure's not there yet, so hold on a minute. It's like, how does that work? Yeah, that's such a good question, yeah. So at Alchemy, we like to call it the cycle of life. There's sort of like this, this never-ending cycle. So if I want to get millions and millions of users around the world, if I want to have this like app that kind of reaches mass adoption, how do you do that? Well, you have to build a product that millions and millions of users around the world are about using, right? I'll never get my grandmother or mom to use a Web3 product without actually building a product they're excited about. So there's this layer between users that's actually build the product. But how do you get amazing products? Well, that starts with developers and engineers and getting them really excited about and making it really easy for them to build those products. And so without developers, you don't have products. Without products, you don't have users. But then when you get more users, you drive more developers because there's more excitement in the industry and more developers, more products, which drives more users. So it's sort of like the cycle of life, chicken or the egg problem. But, you know, the thing that we're starting to tackle is right at that bottom there. Like, how do we make it really, really easy for developers so that they can build those amazing products and then continue to drive the cycle? 
And it sounds like the reason for doing all of that is to have these opportunities, whether it's apps, whether it's platforms that are really user friendly so that you bring in more people. Because to your point, how do you get more people excited about Web3 and actually spending time on the blockchain? You actually need to make it as easy as possible for people. Because I think right now you look at it and go, there's like a 12 step process. I have no idea what I'm doing. And so to your point, that's a really interesting, the cycle of life and the chicken and egg. Yeah, absolutely. My mom is um, is actually trying to, to mint an NFT this week. And I she's sending me like 20 voice memos. Like I did this, all these screenshots calling me to I'm like oh like this is you know clearly it's not a a clean good user experience if she's really really struggling through it yeah clearly we're not quite there yet but it's also interesting to look at it we it sounds like it's like a juggling balancing act of all the different things you need to work on and there's not always one that comes before the other when you think about what the work that you're doing right now what do you think is going to be possible and I don't even again I don't even know if this is the right question but I'm curious of What's going to be possible in Web3 that we just can't do right now in a Web2 world? What gets you excited? What pushes you every morning of we've got to build this because this is what the potential is? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a great question. And I think there's really like so many things. So I'd like to caveat by saying a lot of the opportunities and kind of future use cases and applications of Web3 have yet to be invented. I think we're still, still very, very early. But the thing that I've been really excited about, you know, there's there's lots of stuff. There's a kind of financial freedom. There's kind of accessibility, decentralization, all of these kind of core pillars that go into Web3. I would say the thing that I'm probably most excited about, at least right now, is this concept of interoperability, which is kind of like a big annoying word that like is just, you know, too complex. But, you know, when you break it down, what it really means is the ability for platforms and applications to share information and share the same data. And so the reason why this works the way it does is because when you're in Web3, when you're building in Web3, we're all using the same infrastructure engine, the blockchain. So we're all kind of reading and writing, sharing information to the same kind of database. The blockchain replaces standard databases that are centralized. So what that means is if I'm building an application and you're building an application, we can read from the same database, which means we can share information and share data. On the user's end, what that means is when I, you know, if I were to sign up for Instagram and I have all my followers there, all my friends there, everyone who I know and, and want to kind of interact with, and then I want to go make a LinkedIn account, that information and data is shared across my network, my profile, who I am, all of a sudden is automatically populated because both of those platforms are feeding into the same infrastructure, the same database. Um, and so that's really important for user experience. It also applies to something like passwords. Like you won't have to like memorize 10,000 passwords of like save all those somewhere because your kind of digital identity is shared across the board. On a different episode, I spoke with a, a doctor who's thinking about this from the healthcare perspective. And obviously that's one where you're just like, oh, interoperability when it comes to healthcare data makes a lot of sense, especially if you live somewhere in Europe where, and this personally happened to me 10 years ago, you have an accident in France, you get flown over Germany, you land in Germany, and then a doctor picks you up and they take you to the next country and they have to understand that all your data records make sense, same language. So that starts to make a lot of sense when you talk about like the free, it's like the free movement of data in one that's a very European way of saying that. <laughs> no, I mean, actually, healthcare and, and kind of the health industry was one of my first like aha moments with, with Web3 and crypto, like for a use case that this should really solve. Um, there's been a lot of aha moments, but, you know, a couple of months ago, I went to the doctor's office and I hadn't seen the doctor in a very, very long time. And it was a new doctor. I had moved to SF. So it was a little bit different. And she was like, all right, like, 
when's the last time you did this? When's the last time you did that? When's the last time you did this? When's the last time you did all this stuff where I was like, I have no idea. Like, <laughs> like, can't you just know that? Like, you guys should all just share this information where I can just kind of walk in and you're like, cool, here's your medical history. And then boom, it's done and it's secure and it's encrypted. And, you know, you don't have to deal with, with all of the kind of issues and user experiences that we have now. So I absolutely agree. I think health is, is one of the most important areas that we can revolutionize. It's, it's an interesting one, actually, based on what you just said, like thinking about healthcare, because it's both you can see the added value of it, but you can also see the dangers of it being so freely accessible. So with that, you have to think about the layers of security and all of that, which makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe one last question that's, again, tied to a lot of the work that you do. I read somewhere that it's currently estimated that there's a little over 80% of all crypto participants, let's call them that, are currently male. And it definitely feels like there's a moment right now. I can't remember. I was too young when the internet started, but it definitely feels like there's a moment right now of there's no excuse not to get involved right from the get-go to ensure that this isn't yet another industry built by men, for men, with men in mind. And so I'm curious, again, like where is your head at with that? Are there any benefits of working in Web3 to think about how we create spaces that are inclusive and inclusive for all? Where's your head at with that? What, how are you thinking about that? And what's the opportunity right now to ensure that women are not left behind? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is a, a really, really important topic. It's kind of like the thing that's really top of mind for me, especially recently, because when you're building out like an early industry, that's when it becomes extremely important to focus on these things. It's way harder to go back and do what like the current tech industry is doing and try and bring people up and get them up to speed. Now that we're sort of like full steam, bringing people on board right now is like the most important thing we can do. I think education is the biggest lever, I think, for, for all of Web3 is teaching people how things work, helping them understand why this is important, showing potential use cases, all that stuff. I think it's extremely important and a good starting place, um, but doing it really, really early. And I really like all the efforts. I think BFF and We3 and a lot of the other women's organizations in Web3 are really focusing on community. And bringing you together where it's like, oh, no, it's not just a bunch of men sitting in a room, like kind of yelling about crypto. There's actually women here who are pushing the movement forward. And, you know, on the product side, like everyone in Web3 wants to see this industry scale to billions of people. Ideally, we want every single person around the world getting the benefits and advantages of using Web3 and if you want to get everyone, you can't leave out 50% of the population. You have to have them in the door, building those products, providing input, using them, and you know, actively working in this industry in order to get it to scale to the place we want it to be. I love that. And I have this, you know, one of my questions I was going to ask you is like, okay, so it's not too early to get excited by Web3. And then I was like, well, I also feel like I'm too late to it. So it's just like, as you say, it's like, it's it's a good, it's a good reminder that already so much is moving forward and you need to get on the bandwagon sooner rather than later. But also it's so nascent and so new that there's still so much yet to be developed. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a couple of ways of thinking about that. I totally agree. I mean, it's so early. Like, you know, there's so much opportunity when it comes to, to breaking into the space. The other way to think about things is like, you'll often interact with a product. So, so my mom, for example, who's trying to mint this NFT and is just struggling through it. She could easily say, you know what, this is so hard. This will never work. It'll never reach my friends. It'll never scale. Like this is just, it's not going to make it. And you can have that attitude of like, things aren't working. Therefore, it's not going to work forever. Or you could look at it and be like, oh, this was a really poor experience. How can it be improved? What are the ways in which you can improve it? 
and then go and try and improve it and go build a new product. So every issue that people are running into is a new opportunity for you to step in and build a product. So I would just say, don't be discouraged if you run into a bad user experience. I can almost guarantee you that you're going to have at least one bad user experience when engaging with Web3 stuff, but let that drive you towards it. Run towards that and figure out how it can be improved rather than running away and dismissing it. I love it. Well, on those wise final words, I think this is a perfect way to close out the episode. Thank you ever so much for sharing your knowledge and hanging out with me for 15 minutes today. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Jenny. Thank you. And that's a wrap on today's episode. Thank you for sticking around to the end. And I hope you enjoyed today's guests as much as I did. If you've got big crypto questions, send them our way and we'll attempt to get them answered for you. And for the more seasoned crypto investors and enthusiasts, do go check out our weekly podcast, The Unstoppable Podcast, to learn more about the latest innovations in Web3, NFTs, and the decentralized web. 